It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this, uh, well, Star Wars Saturday. May the 4th be with you. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and then tomorrow's Revenge of the 5th. Oh, and Cinco de Mayo. And Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. Yeah, the whole, well, I'll let you know, at work today, from, a, I think it's 11 to 2 or 10 to 2, uh, at our East Providence location, we're having a child passenger safety car seat checkup event. Star Wars inspired for May the 4th be with you. Cool. Are there, are there people dressing up as... Oh, there are. There are going to be car seat technicians dressed up as Star Wars characters. Hmm. I did not hear of this. Are you, why would you? <laughs> well, I'm friends... Well... Because it's in the fourth, it's in the it's in the what do you people call it? It's the in the five hundred first. It's in the it's the, in it, when you sense it in the the force. Yeah, it's in the force. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No, there's a, there's a group of people that Uber fans called um, the five hundred first garrison. Okay, they're worldwide. Yeah, and the New England is the New England garrison. Um, there is another group out there that aren't as precise in their costumes, so that like the five hundred first is actually part of lucas film like it's it's sponsored by or approved by lucas, lucas this is films this stuff is like. this is uh yeah fine just let you know yeah all right so if you're Anyways. in if you're if you need to have a car seat checked and you're in East providence today go into the AAA office uh it's right off of wampanoag trail go have a car seat check go into the office next door take pictures take pictures do all kinds of stuff all those things. Um, and coming up next weekend is Mother's Day. And before too long, it'll be Father's Day. And with us on the phone is Richard Renner. He is from Car ID. And uh, Richard, you got Hello. any good suggestions for uh, May the 4th Star Wars car related stuff? <laughs> <laughs> May the 4th be with you, John Paul. Um, uh, sure, we've got that uh, that rocket launcher that pulls right to the roof of your SUV to help help clear Boston traffic and get you to work faster. There you go, or or maybe maybe a lightsaber uh, road flare. There you go. I like that. How about a Darth Vader costume if you need to travel incognito? You know, if you uh, are running from the law, or or if you're just driving through one of those. Um uh, photo radar things, and you know they take take a picture of you, and you go, "That wasn't me. I I wouldn't dress up like Darth Vader." Even even better thought. Yeah, there you go. But uh, uh, let's first off, uh, let's let's talk about uh, who you work for before we get into a little bit more particulars. But uh, tell us about tell well, us tell us about what you do. Remind absolutely. Our first of all, John Paul, it's great to be back on your show with you and. I work for the website CarID.com, which is uh, your one-stop online uh, shopping place for everything automotive. We carry everything from all kinds of interior and exterior accessories, performance add-ons so you can go faster through Boston traffic, uh, lighting upgrades, LED lights, and so forth, wheels and tires, of course, body parts, 
uh, audio systems, and of course, uh, everything that you might need to repair and maintain your car to keep it on the road. Yeah, it you you guys really do have an unlimited inventory, and you know, just coming in coming in this morning, I was I was sort of noticing some cars that were parked, and these were cars that were probably seven or eight years old and i was looking at the headlights on the cars and some of them are sort of starting to look frosty white a little bit and you guys have everything from kits to replacement lights absolutely and you know that that's one of those things that bugs me because that's a, a supposed improvement in our industry going to these uh high-tech lights and these streamlined lights you and i i think are old enough to remember the days of a sealed beam headlight the five and three quarter inch and yep. the seven inch round yep. lights, and every time a light burned out, uh, John Paul, you you replace the entire assembly. You got a fresh piece of glass, and now that's not the case today. And as you're pointing out, these plastic lenses—they're exposed to UV rays, they're exposed to the the salt spray and sand spray in the winter. And when these things cloud over, not only is that unsightly, but think about what that does to your safety. Because headlights help you see as well as be seen. And you may not really uh, notice the effect from behind the driver's seat because it's gradual over time. But there's really a significant loss of light output. And again, it's a safety matter. So we do sell these kits. They're very inexpensive. Uh, I think under $20 gets you a headlight restoration kit with a, with a polish and polishing cloths. There's even ones that you can put a, a, a buffer into a drill and get a little bit more speed and pressure. Keep in mind that these kits, they work very well. In the long run, they're also temporary solutions. So t- sometimes the better solution is to replace the entire headlamp assembly and get a fresh piece of uh, of uh, plastic or glass on the outside. Yeah, we we did some testing at work of both the bo- both restoring the headlight lenses as well as the replacements. And what we found out was that um, if doing a restoration and doing a you know a really good job, you gain about eighty percent of the light output back. If you replace wow. the lights with an aftermarket kit. Um, you probably get somewhere around 95% back. And if you go with the factory lenses, of course, you get, you know, the full 100%. The difference is between the aftermarket and the factory lens could be twice the cost. So if you can get 95% of the light output for a couple hundred bucks, it's money well spent. Yeah, I agree. And again, uh, it is unsightly and uh, it's something to point out. Of course, it's, of course it is cost uh, relative, what, what you can afford and, and maybe how old your car is. And I always advise people when I have these conversations, look, let me ask you, how long are you planning to keep this car? If you're thinking you're going to get rid of it in the next year or two, maybe the, the, the polishing and bringing back a lot of the light you've lost, albeit in, in a temporary way, might be a most cost-effective solution. If you're going to keep the car for quite a bit of time, then think about the uh, uh, the more expensive solution because it is your, your longer-term fix. Right. Um, I was, uh, you know, joking about the Star Wars stuff, but, well... I said joking, and Dennis, my producer, just shot me a look like we do not joke about Star Wars. It's fine to joke about Star Wars. Oh, okay, no, that wasn't the look I got. Uh, but uh, before too long, before too long, we have Mother's Day coming up and Father's Day coming up uh, in in June, I guess. So, um, but uh, you guys have uh, you guys have a pretty good selection of stuff if you wanted to cater it a little bit towards either Mother or Father's Day. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I talk to friends, family members all the time about car stuff, non-car stuff, and it's the same old question. I don't know what to get for a gift, mm-hmm. whether it's a spouse, a parent, uh, uh, a son or daughter. Uh, these are great days to celebrate. They're American traditions, Mother's Day and Father's Day. Sometimes you have to think a little bit outside the box, and you may not think about a website like Car ID. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to get, Dad, an oil filter? But, but there's all kinds of things related to the car. We're also coming up, John Paul, on vacation season and travel season. And one of the categories I like is our, our recreation uh, category, where you get everything from storage boxes that go on the roof of the car to what I really like are these uh, these tents that attach, if you're a tenter, if you're of a camper, uh, these tents that attach to the back of your SUV and kind of enclose the open uh, hatchback area. And it's a really neat, nifty, convenient way. Again, if you're into camping, you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah, that that really is. And you're you're sort of making that camping experience a little bit easier. I remember years ago, I had an old an old, old motorhome, so it was sort of like owning an old car and an old house at the same time, not two good combinations. <laughs> but I remember there was a young couple that pulled up next to us, and they were camping in the traditional sense with a tent, and everything they had was brand new. After about 90 minutes of trying to assemble the tent, cursing at each other, they finally threw it all back in the car and drove away. So you get one of these kits that, that sort of unfolds from the back of your SUV, Half your work's done for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing, just I, I mentioned uh, storage units for the roof of the car, and you see these hard shell uh, cases, and I think those are really fantastic. But a solution I like even better, and my son and daughter-in-law have one of these, are one of these soft-sided bags that are designed for the rooftop. What's neat about them, and they've got three kids of their own, so you can imagine how full of stuff their house and garage is already, is that the soft-sided rooftop box folds down to nothing when it's empty, and it's a lot easier to store in their garage. And it holds really just as much. Yeah, it really does. And for Father's Day, if you're thinking about buying you know, some tools or something, um, you guys have name brand tools like DeWalt and OTC and, and others, right? We've got all that name brand stuff on our site, uh, not just tools, uh, something that, again, I've uh, had recent conversations with some friends who have said to me, oh, my dad or my brother or my spouse, whatever, has all the tools he needs. Think a little bit outside the box. One thing that a lot of guys don't have are these utility carts which are very handy. They not only store some tools, and who doesn't need some additional storage space, but the cart is neat because you can load up the cart with tools and then wheel it to, let's say, where your car is, which might be outside the garage, and then you have the tools you need right there in the cart. Do the job you're doing on the car and then wheel the cart back. It's one trip out from the garage and then one trip back in. I saw something. I was in New York for the auto show a couple of weeks ago, and I was looking at a, I, th- I think it was the new uh, Jeep pickup truck, and they had it all fitted with all of the Jeep available options. And one thing that I hadn't seen before was uh, these sort of slide-out bed drawers, um, 
but you guys have those too. So if you want to, uh, if you want to turn your pickup truck and make it more organized and and make storage, you you guys also have the the slide out bed drawers and slide out shelves and all that sort of stuff that you can mount in a pickup truck yeah, and I, make it a lot more useful. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I was happily but shocked, happily shocked when we took on those products. I actually said to myself, and I, I'll admit I'm not a pickup truck owner, I said, who's going to buy these? Those things have become one of the biggest sellers on our website. Uh, apparently, pickup truck owners love them. They find them extremely convenient. They, they uh, take away minimal uh, space from your pickup bed, so you still have most of your full utility with the pickup truck. But with the sliding feature, uh, you can put things in those drawers, and those slides can also help facilitate uh, loading and unloading the pickup bed. So, again, those things have taken off. Uh, they're a little bit uh, on the high end as far as a pickup truck accessory goes, but that has not uh, diminished their appeal uh, to the public. And I'm glad to know you were down at the New York Auto Show, John Paul. Did you go to a Yankee game while you were down there? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> oh, I, <see. laughs> uh, I was at the show also, and that Jeep Gladiator, uh, I was completely knocked out by that. I think Jeep is going to sell uh, every one of those things, I think the factory is going to have to go into triple overtime to build enough of those gladiators. Yeah, oh, I, I, I absolutely agree. And if you have a car that's maybe five or six years old, it's starting to look a little shabby on the inside, uh, replacement floor mats can make a real difference. And if it's even a little bit more than more worn than that, uh, your website has, uh, you can get the factory carpet, right? You can get the factory carpet. You can get that in the factory color. You can you can change the color up. The whole floor mat category, uh, which is one of the things that we we've carried the longest, has has again exploded uh, with options. I mean, it used to be when I would speak to somebody about floor mats, the first question would be, do you want vinyl or do you want carpet type mm -hmm. floor mat? The vinyl mat is more of the utility. Think the WeatherTech, and we've all seen the WeatherTech yep. ads. It's a phenomenal floor mat. There are other brands similar to that that we also carry. On the carpet floor mat side, the Lloyds brand has been huge for us in different uh, different thicknesses, and the color choices on the carpet side is huge. But now we've got aluminum floor mats. We've got sheepskin floor mats. Uh, so really, the options have just exploded in that regard. Let's not forget, John Paul, you mentioned Mother's Day and Father's Day. We haven't talked about moms a whole lot. For mom, this could be a really nice uh, gift. I know my wife is in the car seven days a week. She said to me the other day she feels like she lives in her car. A nice set of floor mats. Uh, sounds a little corny, but maybe not. It could be a really nice upgrade and a great thought for a Mother's Day gift. Yeah, just don't buy. Just don't buy her a vacuum cleaner <laughs> or a set of tools necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> although, although my my nephew my nephew's wife got all excited. Uh, uh, I think last year when he bought her uh, when he bought her her own uh, uh, cordless tool set, so she was all excited by that. So. No, that's great. Actually, my daughter-in-law loves. Uh, we've done a couple of projects together, and uh, and she's pretty good with the uh, with the tools. So yeah, yeah but vac vacuum vacuum cleaner. I I may have made that mistake 
35 years ago or something but uh but we'll 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 leave that for another another story but yeah it's amazing and i had somebody i had somebody write into me and they had i think they had a toyota prius or uh, you know pretty plain pretty plain car and but they wanted to they wanted to see is there a way that they could make it unique and i actually spent probably about 15 minutes on your website looking at and believe me, some of the things were a little bit odd that I was looking at. You know, everything from uh, you know the upgrade of the upgrade of mats, but also seat covers that were a little bit different. Even though there was really nothing wrong with the seats in their in their Prius, they wanted something. They, I, you know, I said, well, you know, some people like seats that look like cow patterns, and you know, and oh, yeah. and uh, uh, just some functional upgrades, but a, a lot of different appearance upgrades, and for what really amounted to probably two or three hundred dollars, you could turn kind of a, a Prius that looks like everybody else's Prius into something a little bit unique, and for a little bit more money, if you wanted to change wheels, you want to change wheels on it, you could make it really a lot more unique, but for a little bit of money, if you want to, want to turn your car into something that doesn't doesn't look like everybody else's now i you know i I wouldn't suggest um and i've seen this before someone glue all kinds of seashells all over the outside of a car but uh (laughs) but that's for a very specific taste but but if you did want to do something kind of unique you guys have a lot of accessories for that too yeah one of the things I, i like to talk about with the stuff we sell john and i'm a baby boomer and i presume you are too we talk about when we were kids how all cars looked unique and from 50 feet, 100 feet, I could spot a Chevy from a Ford, from a Plymouth, and so on. And, and what we lament is that today all cars look alike. So to your point, one of the selling features here is that, all right, if all cars look alike, what can you do to your vehicle to make it unique looking? But you started to talk about some interior things. Again, a big, big seller for us, and I'm pleasantly surprised by it, are people who coordinate seat covers with dash kits. We sell them in all different kinds of colors. Let's say you're into the camouflage look, which is personally not for me, but I know a lot of people who like it. You can buy seat covers in a camouflage-type fabric, and you can even get these stick-on dash kits that traditionally have been wood trim, and you can get a camouflage look and coordinate that with your seat cover and talk about unique uh, yes, I know it's just the interior, but when you're driving, you are spending all your time inside the car. You really can make that vehicle look unique that way. Well, I was in I was in Utica yesterday. A lot of camouflage in Utica. Just want to point that out. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. Um, and even on the outside, you talked about wheels and tires and, and that category. Again, one of the biggest selling uh, categories for us. Uh, everything from factory wheels, if you damage a wheel in a pothole, we're coming out of the, uh, we're pretty much out of the end of winter season now, but New Jersey's got its share of potholes still. Uh, if you damage a wheel or tire, we've got the factory size and wheels that match the factory look for you. If you want to upgrade to something in the way of a, a normal upgrade, meaning what we call a plus one or plus two, one inch or two inches larger than factory. We've got that. And of course, we've got the, the super large wheels and tires. Um, and now these wheels come in unique colors. It's no longer just silver or chrome or black, but we have an option where you can uh, select the color for certain wheels and either coordinate it to match your exterior paint color or select a contrasting color. So 
there's no limit there, John Paul. Yeah, there, there really, there really isn't. And I was uh, again, I, I sort of use your website sometimes to answer people's car questions. And somebody wrote to me, and they had a, I, I, I want to say it was an Audi, and the for whatever they used to clean the steering wheel, it turned the wheel sticky. And they went out and they priced a new steering wheel, and it was going to be, it was going to be four or five hundred dollars because it's a pretty expensive repair to put a steering wheel on it. And they're like, I don't want to put some six dollar steering wheel cover on my my Audi. It's going to look it's going to look lousy afterwards. But I found wheel skins on your website, and it's a it's a pretty pricey cover for a steering wheel cover. I think they're sixty or seventy dollars, but at least the installed pictures of them, they looked really good afterwards. And it was a, what I thought was a very reasonable uh, and cost-effective way to fix what was uh, a steering wheel that every time you put your hands on it, you felt like you someone had glue on it afterwards. Yeah, John Paul, uh, true story. I bought a used Ford truck a couple of years ago. When I bought it, it had a sticky steering wheel. I bought from us the Wheelskins brand cover. It was, first of all, made of leather. Now, full disclosure, since you mentioned this, this had to be laced on. So with a needle, I had to thread a, uh, a piece of, uh, of uh, string, not string, but thread mm-hmm. through the pre-punched holes. And it took about an hour and a half to install the cover. Yep. It was completely worth the effort. First of all, I took my time. I made sure that it was lined up. I made sure that as I threaded it on there, I threaded it on really, really tight. And from three or four steps away, you could not tell this was a cover. It completely restored uh, a great feel to the wheel. Uh, it's not one of these cheap, as you mentioned, slip-on things that, frankly, all right, if you that's all you can afford, I understand. But uh, this was a significant upgrade to the interior of my pickup truck. Yeah, it, it they they look they looked really good, and you're right. It takes a little time, it takes a little effort, but it's certainly a do-it-yourself project, and you can spend a little bit of time. And again, go, going back to trying to make your car a little bit unique, if you want to change for changing the steering wheel cover, a good set of mats, uh, maybe a uh, a dash kit for. What amounts to maybe two or three hundred dollars? You can kind of really upgrade the interior of your car and make it feel like new. One of the things that I talk to people about all the time, both our salespeople on the inside and when I do speak to customers, to customers is that much of what we sell is in the DIY category. You're not required to install it yourself, but we encourage people to try. I've installed multiple sets of seat covers on both my own vehicles and other vehicles. And again, you've got to take your time. I'm not going to say to someone, you can do this in five or 10 minutes. Uh, It might take an hour or so uh, with a a three-row minivan to put on a full set of seat covers. But if you take your time and really tug on those covers to make them taut and make those straps as tight as you can, again, from five steps away, you cannot tell that they are covers. So the DIY aspect is a big part of this. Uh, I think that's part of the appeal of a lot of the things that you're talking about in making the inside of your car unique. And that's part of the cost savings. When you look at the price online, once you get that item, you're likely or we're encouraging you, let's say, to do it yourself rather than spend the 50 or 100 or even a couple hundred dollars to have somebody else install something that, frankly, you can install yourself.
Yeah, it, it really does. And, and I know uh, the wheel skin one, uh, they even have a video that you can sort of watch someone how to do it. So you, you make sure you get a, you do it right the first time. The, the younger people I work with are amazed. I've been doing this professionally. I don't want to say for how long, but it's it's been uh, it's been more than a couple of years, and I still rely on YouTube videos to give me hints and tricks and maybe discover a, a new way or a faster way or better way uh, to do something. And so it that's been a revelation. And again, we we encourage people to uh, to seek that kind of uh, information out because uh, I mean there are some better YouTube videos and some less good ones out there. But you if you spend a few minutes looking around, you can find. Uh, something in a lot of cases in the way of a video that will help uh, give you some installation tips and tricks. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there. You're right. There are some, and I, and I certainly look at some things that I'm not familiar with, and I go and see what people do and how they do it. And sometimes I find some little tips and tricks as well. Uh, it always, it, it always helps. It's always beneficial, and it's always good to be able to see this kind of information and find and see what you want to do with it afterwards. Um, looking at looking at the different things you can do to your car and i read something just the other day that in a lot of cases people spend more time in their car than they do in total when they go on vacation uh people are spending wow. people are spending a little all i, I think it was it, it was a little bit more than two weeks in their car when you total it all up and you know people people sometimes if they're lucky they're able to take a two-week vacation but if you think of the amount of time you spend in a car like you said your wife is in her car seven days a week uh your your car becomes uh really a uh and you know more than just functional and i was at i was at a conference yesterday when I was up in Utica and it was talking about uh, among other things autonomous vehicles and and ride and what's going to turn into more vehicle sharing and mm. and maybe because of my age I'm not sure that it's going to be as big a deal as people think it's going to be because I think people just are very passionate about their vehicles even even younger people once they finally get their car and then they're maybe a little bit slower to get into car ownership because people have picked them up and dropped them off and maybe they use a maybe they use a an Uber bike or a, or a bird scooter or something to get around town but yeah. They also, once they get their car, they actually start to really like having a car and uh, really care about it. And I, I hear younger people now going, I love my car. So I think when you look at all those things and you look at wanting to take care of it and doing some things with your car, um, sites like Car ID are, are really, really, uh, besides beneficial it's actually it's actually a learning experience too there's a lot of things you can learn and and the, the folks that answer your phone are not just order takers they actually know what they're talking about oh yeah we're we're, we're proud of the fact uh, john paul compared to a lot of our competition out there uh, where you cannot get a live person on the phone we have uh, a full staff and they're they're based in new jersey so we've got folks who uh, are informed um, I've helped train them uh, with their knowledge. Uh, it's not a high-pressure type of environment where if you call in for some information, uh, we're hitting you over the head to make the sale. But if you need advice or a suggestion, we've got uh, a lot of great uh, people on staff, and that includes sales and customer service. Let me brag about one other thing, because sure. on our website, we've got a link called Helpful 
automotive articles. So this is completely free of charge. You don't have to be a customer uh, to read articles, some written by me, some written by some other staff writers we have. Some of these articles are DIY. Uh, We've got videos, product video reviews on our website. All this information is free. Whether you buy from us or not, we really think that an informed, educated customer is a better customer. And uh, just to your point, and it was an excellent point you just made about as younger people eventually do buy cars, and they are, they're realizing and understanding the freedom and mobility it gives them. I really get a kick out of going to a show, and I was at the New York Auto Show also a couple of weeks ago. You have this dichotomy where you hear all of this talk and you read these articles online and in newspapers about the coming of autonomous cars and this technology and ride sharing, yet auto shows are more uh, highly attended than ever. And you go there and you see manufacturers displaying high horsepower muscle cars and pickup trucks and family vehicles. We are very, very far from uh, the death of the individually owned and operated automobile in this country. It's uh, it's eventually coming, but uh, it is not going to be next year. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's absolutely not going to be next year. The idea that uh, on on Saturdays and Sundays you order up a pickup truck and on Mondays you take the train and on Thursdays you take a bicycle and then back on Friday night you take uh, an Uber uh, and you don't own a vehicle. I, I just, I, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily see that happening, at least not, not in the immediate future, future. No, no. I yeah. mean, there are some solutions, as we both know, which we're not going to get into that are that are coming. But uh, and again, uh, you know, you see that the auto shows and, and thank you for the, the comment about our website. We're very proud of what we have. And uh, again, it's a it's a self-serve site, if you'd like. Uh, if you want to call in and speak to someone for some advice, you're welcome to do that. But uh, the individuality that we offer certainly is something that uh, a lot of people in in this country, and frankly, we have a market outside of the U.S. also, uh, a lot of people are still finding attractive, and uh, I, for one, am very glad to see it. Yeah, no, it's great. And when you you see, and and like you pointed out, out, outside of the country, there there are places where it's a where it's a little hard to find parts and that's where the internet can be your friend and you can find out you can find out some information about particular parts or particular kinds of things you can do to make life a little bit easier i don't know i think the one thing that might be missing you might need uh, you might need the car doctor to write a write a column for your website once in a while <laughs> we'll take that under advice <laughs> all right all right hey richard uh we gotta let you go uh we gotta uh, take a break and pay some bills but thank you for taking some time out of your saturday morning the website is carid.com that's how you get there you find out all this information and to me it's uh again i'm dating myself a little bit it's sort of the virtual equivalent of a sears catalog you can just kind of look look through the website and go yeah i'm not really ready for this this and this but it's there if i want to get it at some point and and uh, I'm ready ready to go when that time comes. So, fantastic yeah. stuff. John Paul, thank you again. Great to be uh, All right. on the show with you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye now. All right. Bye-bye. That was Richard Rayner. He is the uh, technical advisor to Car ID, and we need to take a break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. When we come back, we're going to talk about the car that got me around last week, a Buick. Yeah, that's right, a Buick. And uh, might play a little bit of trivia, too. 
My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program on AM 950, WROL 100.3 FM, or WROLradio.com. Tap that app. We'll be back in a minute. I keep blowing on down the road. Well, now they call me the And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Well, I got to drive a Buick. And I told people that. And people said, Buicks are for old people. Now, I am an old people, so. Uh, but this was this was actually, this was a pretty unique Buick. It was a Buick Regal Torex. So, say station wagon. But... I suspect there's a lot of European design in this car, maybe even Opel in here somewhere. But uh, it's been a long time since I drove a Buick station wagon, a really long time since I've driven a Buick station wagon. And this 2019 Buick Regal Torex will never be confused with the traditional American wagon. Torex is a midsize wagon with standard all-wheel drive, but don't confuse it with an SUV. The all-wheel drive system provides stability and traction. It isn't specifically designed for off-road travel. This Buick is also quite stylish. It's not a boxy wagon of the 70s, but definitely has a strong European influence. Power is provided by a 2-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine. Remember when every GM seemed to have a 350 cubic inch V8 or bigger, 455s or other things? Uh, But this uses a little 2-liter turbocharged engine. Uh, makes decent horsepower, 250 horsepower. Uh, the transmission is an eight-speed automatic, and power is divided evenly between the front and the rear wheels. The Torex comes in three trim levels. We road tested the well-equipped Essence, Essence trim. The interior of this Buick was nicely done with quality components and switches throughout. Like many vehicles today, a lot of the controls are part of the infotainment system, but Buick did leave a few buttons and switches to help minimize distraction. The seats are comfortable and supportive overall. Visibility is quite good. Even with the large sunroof, there's plenty of headroom. Tilt and telescoping steering wheel make it easy for drivers of all sizes to find a comfortable steering position. The Torex isn't quite as tall as an SUV, but a bit taller than the typical midsize sedan, which translates into a vehicle that's easy to get in and out of. The cabin felt comfortable and roomy, even with the sloping rear roof line. The cargo area is not quite as... Uh, Spacious as a midsize SUV, but with the flat folding rear seats, it'll be able to easily accommodate trips to the home improvement store, a weekend of camping, fishing, or antiquing, should you want to go antiquing. Uh, our top-of-the-line Torex also had advanced uh, all the advanced driver safety features, such as automatic emergency braking, lane departure warning correction, smart advanced cruise control. The collision warning system will even detect a pedestrian crossing the street which is important because some pedestrians don't always pay attention. 
They just kind of walk out there, and uh, it works pretty well. Our Torex also had the trifactor of heated steering wheel, heated seats, and remote start. Uh, nice for a cold day. Still cold days. There's still days that I walk out of work and people have their cars started with the remote start because it's still a little chilly. On the road, I wouldn't call the Torex a sport wagon, but it's comfortable with secure handling. The ride is definitely biased towards comfort. But that big floaty boaty ride of old Buicks has been replaced with a package that feels confident without being harsh. I don't drive General Motors cars that often, but the steering on this Buick is nicely balanced. Light at low speed, firms up nicely at high speeds, providing accurate feedback to the driver. The HP transmission shifts smoothly and seems in perfect harmony with the 2-liter engine. Fuel economy during my road test averaged about 27 miles per gallon, according to the onboard computer system. Speaking of which, we are going to be doing some testing at work, and we're actually going to, on a, for, on a chassis dynamometer out in our California test center, so I probably won't get to go. I'll probably just get to review the results. Um, but we're actually going to do real testing on fuel economy, the real fuel economy, versus the onboard computer system readouts. So we're going to use a special type of fuel, special fuel, you know, because gasoline can vary fuel economy. So we're using special test gas, and we're going to measure how far that car goes on a gallon of gas on a dynamometer and what the real mileage is versus what the computer readout, which most of us think is somewhat optimistic. Our Volkswagen, for instance, claims to be at 60 miles an hour, easy on the gas, top up, no air conditioning on, 40 miles per gallon, which is five or six miles per gallon more than what the EPA says it should get on the highway. I don't think it's getting 40 miles per gallon. But the computer tells me that, so it makes me happy. Um, the Buick Torex is a nice alternative to an SUV and European competitors, such as Audi and Mercedes. Uh, it's stylish, good looks, versatility uh, for buyers looking for a little something, little something extra. They should take a look at it. Um, fuel economy, according to EPA, 21 city, 29 highway. Crash test, too new to be tested. Base price, about $29,000. So if you want something a little bit different, and if you want to fool the valet or whoever, like the commercial. Yeah, I'm in the Buick. Uh, I don't see a Buick. Yeah, because it doesn't really look like a Buick. It's a pretty nice car. Two things. Two things. One, I wish GM dropped Buick and kept Oldsmobile. I missed the Cutlass. Cutlass was a good car. I not the later Cutlasses. The I don't. I don't know why. I, I don't know why a lot of things with GM. Yep. Saturn, I can understand. Saturn never made a nickel, no. and for the first ten years, they basically sold one car. It was a two-door version. It was a four-door well, version. To, they, it was it was a wagon version. They tried to do the Hyundai. Yeah, model. yeah, and 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 uh, the plastic door panels eh, didn't do all that well. Um, then they came out with with Saturns that were Opals, and they were actually pretty good, but yeah. they were Opals. But all the things that they hung their hat on, um, things like, well, the Saturn has a timing chain, not a timing belt, so you won't have to do timing belt maintenance. Well, when the Opal version came out, they all had timing belts. Um, they said, uh, you know, these are going to be plastic body cars so they won't dent and scratch not, not quite, not quite. Um, so everything they tried to say and the, the whole one price thing where you walked into the Saturn store and you said I'll take one of those and it was no different than buying a toaster um, 
the idea was okay, but some people actually like to negotiate. And some people like to feel they got a better deal than their neighbor did. Uh, I liked the idea of it, and it gave the dealers a little bit of margin to make some money. But then some of the dealers started to screw it up, too, because they started to, oh, we'll take this off, or we'll take that off. And they kind of played with their own system and made it worse. So that that didn't help them. I always liked Pontiac. Pontiac was a great, pa- great- Pontiac was a great car, yeah. right? Um, but then Pontiac's kind of blended in with everything else. And Oldsmobile, when um, when GM got revamped for the 50,000th time, it seemed like, and they wanted to try to move Buick up to where Lexus was, do away with Saturn. I think Oldsmobile might have been already gone at that point. Yes. And, that, uh, and what happened, they lost... Talk to somebody from the 50s, and they'll tell you a Buick was a different car than a Pontiac. It was a different car than an Oldsmobile. They were all different. And then they started to share a few more things. Then they started to share a few more things. And then they became, you know, was a, was a Pontiac Le Mans really that much different than a Chevy Chevelle? Was a Chevrolet Nova, different than an Oldsmobile Omega, different than a Pontiac Ventura, different than an Oldsmobile Apollo. How do I know those four? That's Nova. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's the only way I could. That's the only way I had any chance of remembering that. But it was it was one of those things. Were they really different? They not really. And I think what was really one of the the key things that hurt them was in. And I don't remember the year, 70s somewhere, when, that might have been 80s, when Oldsmobile put a Chevrolet V8 in their full-size cars. So they took out the Oldsmobile V8 and put a Chevy 350 in. Technically a better engine, less problems. The Oldsmobile engine had a lubrication issue where it would uh, cause the camshaft to wear out and some other issues, and certainly some of the Chevy V8s had some uh, their own share of problems. But it was a it was a better, more reliable engine. But they didn't try to hide it from anybody. You open the hood, and it was an orange Chevy engine, not a blue Oldsmobile engine. And people went, "I paid extra money for an Oldsmobile. I got a Chevy engine. What the heck is this all about?" I think that was the beginning of the end. They started to lose their lose their uh, uniqueness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I remember talking to an old time mechanic, and he said you could blindfold me and put me in a Buick, and put me in an Oldsmobile, and put me in a Chevy, and I can tell you which one of those cars I'm in by the way it starts and by the way it rides going down the road. Might have been bragging, but still. The second thing. Okay. I said two things. You said two things. Yeah. <laughs> Is the computer readouts on the fuel economy? Mm-hmm. I got to say that. The car that I currently drive, mm-hmm. the um, Nissan Rogue, Star Wars edition, Star Wars Day, got to fill that yep, in there. Yep, May the um, fourth be with you. Yeah, <laughs> um, it it's pretty accurate. I did the math from like when I fill up and where how much how many miles I get to the tank and what it's reading out. It's maybe maybe two or three miles. It says I get two or three miles more than what I'm actually getting, but mm-hmm. it's pretty accurate. Like when my recent trip to New York, I filled up the tank once. Back and forth. I, well, I shouldn't say once. I filled it up a couple days before I left, mm-hmm. and then on the way to New York, somewhere in Connecticut, I stopped and filled up again because I was at Because a, you wanted to pay more for gas than you did in Massachusetts. 
Actually, it was less. Really? Yes. <laughs> Where do you buy gas? <laughs> I don't know. I got off the highway. It was less. <laughs> um, and then I didn't fill up on, like, I filled up in Connecticut, got the rest of the way to mm-hmm. New York, and then I drove all the way back from New York without ever filling up again. I didn't stop, I didn't stop once on my way back from New York. I got gas three times in the last two days. Yeah, maybe well, four. Maybe like four. A maybe thousand four, miles. Maybe four <laughs> times. Um, last week we had a trivia question. We gave away the um, Beacon for Life uh, Road Flare. Uh, worth like eighty bucks, by the way. And hopefully people have gotten them because I just put them in envelopes inside an envelope. So it's in an envelope inside an envelope. It's a pretty solid plastic envelope. So hopefully they got to where they're supposed to go. In one, well, they're pretty rugged. I wasn't worried about them breaking. I was worried more that the envelopes would tear or, or the post office would go, what the heck is this thing with three D-cell batteries in it? And it, Hopefully it didn't light up and flash. Um, probably should have taken the batteries out or put them in upside down so it didn't come on. Note to self for this last one. So we've given away two, and we have one more left because the inventor sent me three to try out and so we have one left last week's trivia question was too easy this trivia question might be too hard in the 1985 version of back to the future what was marty mcfly's desired vehicle in the 1985 movie back to the future what was his desired vehicle if you know the answer give us a call at 617-770-3030 617-770-3030 and for peter and salem it was not an edsel <laughs> i know what it i know what it was, it was but you but don't, I know don't know what it is name is yeah that's all right well you you can't win anyway so so I got a note from our uh, technical guys at work, and it has to do with battery recharging after a jump start. And I, I actually I actually like this. And what happens is um, the correct way to fully recharge a typical battery after uh, after a uh, jump start is to put it on a battery charger for several hours on a kind of low to mid setting, somewhere between 2 and 12 amps to maintain optimal battery life. This allows for... Uh, full charge absorption at the lowest temperature. Yeah, you can quick charge a battery, but that extra heat is no good for the battery. Uh, vehicle alternators and charging systems are not designed for um, to provide this type of recharge current. That's right. When you, even though someone may say to you, "Hey, uh, yeah, your battery's dead, but um, <laughs> your battery's dead, but just drive around for half an hour and." It'll charge back up. That's not really true. That's not what the alternator is really designed for. Um, amperage, uh, so there's a chart, and it says for a typical 12-volt battery, when it's being charged at 2 amps, and it's only got about 50% of the uh, 50% of its charge rate in it, and if you have a little 2-amp battery charger, it takes a whole day. To charge it up fully. If you have a uh, 
If you have a, uh, let's see here, a 10-amp battery charger, which a lot of people have the ones that are 2 and 10, it's going to take about, if it's 50% charge, it's going to take about 3 hours to recharge. And that's using a battery charger. So the idea of knowing that, oh, just drive it around for half an hour, it should be fine, the alternator is not made to do that. It's just not, it, it, chances are it will bring it back. Somewhat, but it won't bring it back 100%. So just something to be aware of. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. I saw the post office truck come by earlier. And if you're listening and you see Johnny Costello out doing his route today, tell me he looks good. Just tell me he looks good. because yeah, He's having a midlife crisis. Yeah, he's having a little bit of a midlife gray hair crisis. At least he and, still has here. He's the same age as me, and he has a whole mop on his head. I'm, I was yeah. almost shaving it off yesterday, the other day. <laughs> that's a. That's some people do. I don't know. I. You, I, was, I would. You have with, more hair than I do. I, I'm, uh, yeah, that doesn't mean anything, you know. So General Motors will drop its all-wheel drive from its diesel fuel 2020 Chevrolet Equinox. Um, which is kind of funny because it's one of those things that it falls into the category. If I had a if I had a nickel for every time somebody said, if I could only get a diesel in something or other, uh, okay, hold on I envisioned I would have a whole bunch of nickels, and instead I only have a nickel. So a Chevrolet spokesperson confirmed the news and said all-wheel drive was in low demand, which prompted the automaker to scale back to front-wheel drive-only configurations in the diesel version, which is which is actually sort of interesting. And Mazda, so the diesel didn't go over that well in an all-wheel drive version. And Mazda said, we're going to do a CX-5 signature diesel, joins, the, joins the, their lineup. And this is from the Diesel Technology Forum. We've had these folks on before. And uh, they said, uh, today marks a good day for consumers who demand fuel efficiency, spirited driving performance, and no compromise in vehicle utility. The 2019 Mazda CX-5 Signature Diesel Compact SUV joins nearly 50 other diesel-powered choices for American consumers in 2019. Just not an all-wheel drive uh, terrain or Equinox. Um, Mazda's Skyactiv suite of technology is a great example of why we must value customer choice and energy efficiency or whatever it takes. Uh, customers choosing the CX-5 Signature Diesel will get to experience Mazda's commitment to inspired driving performance with the diesel. What's sort of interesting was Mazda's had this diesel for years. In fact, I saw the diesel engine in a Mazda 6 that was not for sale. It was just uh, it was just sort of showing up somewhere. So, you going somewhere? No? Just checking. I need to stretch every now and then. I am a human. I understand. I'm going to physical therapy. You know, I, I've learned about stretching. I'm not doing anything about it, but I've learned about it. <laughs> Let's see. Where do we want to go? You pick them. Uh, line two. Line two. David and Needham. David. Good morning, John. How are you? Uh, good. How are you? Very well, thanks. I'm not sure if I get the right one on this baby, but uh, for the answer that you're looking for? Yep. Uh, was it the DeLorean or no? My no, the problem. DeLorean was the car that got him to the future or the past, but it was oh, not. okay. But it was not. Yeah. No, but good try, though. Okay, what do you want? The uh, one that you got him back from the future? Uh, no, no, you just, you get, no. you get a one shot, you get a one shot at this today. 
but good try, though. All right. Okay. Take care. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Well, let's go up to Salem and talk to Peter. Peter. Hello, John. Hello, Peter. Uh, it was a Buick. No. 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 Oh, I thought he was driving a... Uh... Forty-nine or fifty Buick convertible. No, that is that isn't one. That isn't. No, this was uh, this was uh, in in the movie, and I'm just going by something that says fun, fun trivia about movies and cars. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with their answer. But it's uh, okay. and the question and the question or the way they have the question worded is uh, what was Marty McFly's desired vehicle in Back to the Future 1985? Ooh. Yeah. So. So what was so so? But good, good, okay. good guess though. All right, I, All right. I know he was driving a Buick, John. Yeah, well, that wasn't his desired vehicle. It okay. was not. All it right. was not. Dennis knows. Okay. All right. All right. You thanks, care, thanks, Peter. Bye. 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 Let's see. Where are we going now? Let's go to uh, Brian in Quincy. Brian, is that you? Brian. Brian. Hello, Brian. Brian? Yeah, there we are. There we are. Uh, morning, John. Good morning. Is it is it a Toyota SR5 pickup? It is. You are absolutely correct. It is a Toyota pickup truck. The uh, It was a black Toyota 4x4. It was driven on the bed of a truck transporting it to the Statler dealership in Hill Valley. And you could tell it was a uh, it was a 1985 because it had, according to this article, a solid front axle. So uh, 85 was the last year for a solid axle, and it also had EFI stickers on it, and it was the first year for fuel injection. So somebody a whole lot smarter than me stopped frames stopped frames in this and looked and found out what it was. But you are absolutely right. How did you know? How did how did you know? Was it the internet that helped you? I will be honest. Yes, it was. It was my friend Google. <laughs> uh, Google's a Google's a friend of mine as well. So yeah. So stay right there. Stay right there. Dennis will get down your name and address, and we'll send you out a beacon for life. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you for listening. All right, Dennis will do that, and I will do. Uh, I'll do this. Let's see. Dennis is making phone lines go on the air. There we go. That's better. Um. Well, did you want to buy a smart car, a smart EV maybe? Well, you're not going to. The decision, according to Mercedes-Benz, holds for both the U.S. and Canadian markets has to do with what the company says, high costs for a low-volume vehicle. So they've decided to, and I'm reading this. I only read them. I don't write them. Daimler has decided to pull the plug. On the smart car. Really? That's what it says. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're only electric now. Hmm. No gas engines. And they're saying it costs too much to make. So it doesn't affect the arrival of um, a new little car that's going to come in 2020, but it, it's uh, they say it's a high cost. Um, the availability of service and replacement parts at dealership. The smart brand will continue in Europe, China, and other places in the world where Apparently, it makes more sense. But Smart went fully electric in 2018. The Smart EQ for two remains on sale for a few more months and starts at about... See, probably the problem is it's a little tiny car with a, with a somewhat limited range, and it's twenty five grand. 
$25,000 is a lot of money. I don't care what anybody says, especially for a car that has somewhat limited ability. And even when you get all of the extras, when you get the $7,500 energy credits and all this, still, it still ends up being kind of expensive. So on the retail level, the smart brand is slowed to the sales numbers of an exotic car. According to Automotive News, Mercedes sold just 1,200 smart EQs for two in uh, 2018. So it was a fail. I don't want to call it a failure, but it wasn't well designed. It should have been a diesel because that would have made more sense. The gasoline engine on the first smart cars required premium. So you got a little car with a little engine that needed premium gas to make it run right. So it didn't make a lot of sense. I liked them. I thought they were kind of cute. Uh, but uh, then again, I like weird little cars anyway. So uh, Fiat is recalling about 25,000 2019 Fiat 500Xs and Jeep Renegades, a subcompact SUV, to fix an issue that could prevent their airbags from deploying correctly. According to an information filed with NHTSA and published last week, the 500X and the Renegade could house bad software for an occupant restraint controller. The total of 24,000 crossover SUVs are affected, nearly all of which are Jeep Renegades. The uh, faulty software could uh, send bad signals to the processor, which in turn could disable certain passive safety features. According to uh, Fiat Chrysler, what exactly the ORC may shut off was not listed in the NHTSA findings, but passive safety is defined as baked-in elements such as airbags and restraints. The problem arises after certain diagnostic tools are sent to the ORC when the ORC sends the information back. Uh, it has problems with memory and so forth. So without the passive safety features working as intended, the risk of injury climbs. So bad things can happen, I suppose. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We have a couple lines open if you want to join us, like Rick from Boston is joining us right now. So, Rick, I, so I was on my way to uh, do uh, the answer on Wednesday, and I heard you call into Joe's show. Yeah, I call, I call in and at, uh, I talk, talk to them a couple times a month. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I was I I was uh, tuning in and I heard uh, and I, I I heard I heard your voice and said, "Wait, I know him." <laughs> I think that was Tuesday that I called. Oh, uh, maybe it was uh, Tuesday. Co- commenting about uh, a couple uh, historic errors. Oh yeah. And that I I don't mean to put him down or anything like that. It was just that uh, I'm a history nut. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. What, who yeah, who who, who was the who was the guy who said if you don't if you don't know history you're destined to repeat it? I don't know, but the thing is, um, I see that there's a lot of people in the United States that do not know history. <laughs> well, I I used to I kind of, I kind of forgetting some of it now, but you know. But anyway. Well, you know more about history of the cars than I do, so I'll give you credit All for right. that. Okay. So what's up today, Rick? Well, I came across something on the internet that I, I think you might find interesting. Uh, the city of Dubai in the Middle East is yep. growing so fast that the tourist agency recommends that, unless you're staying in one of the major hotels, that before you leave the airport, you have a map to give to your taxi driver to tell him how to get to your hotel that you've got reservations at. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, 
the mailing labels in the city of Dubai contain a space so you could write down your directions or draw a map to tell the mailman how to get wow. to deliver the mail. See, I thought Dubai actually, I, I heard that the building had slowed down in Dubai um, a couple years ago because it was, that was one of the, the what was interesting about Dubai is um, it seemed like if your imagination Whatever you thought, they were build. I mean, let's face it; they built, they built uh, uh, their own ocean, and you know they built uh, luxury homes on something that looked like a palm tree. They didn't build their own yeah, ocean; they were building their own island. They built their own ocean. <laughs> Come on, they built they they surra- <laughs> they surrounded an island with water. So, yeah. uh, they, and and something that looked like a palm tree with houses on it. And, yeah, and they yeah. also have they also have islands that yeah. looks like each state of the United States yeah. too. And, like and Massachusetts. And, and and you can go skiing in a place where it's wicked hot. Yes, you can. On snow. Yeah. On snow. Yes, you yeah. can. Yeah, I I have talked to a couple of people who have been there. Um, one person actually went there on vacation and they loved it. And one of the reasons they loved it is they're they are a very neat, organized person. And they said it was the neatest, cleanest, most organized place. In fact, if you had a dirty car, you get a ticket for having a dirty car. They yeah, said, they, um, the crime rate is, supposed, is supposedly zero because if you get caught doing a crime, you're in big trouble. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I guess... Uh, you know, you kind of wonder who does the crime because everybody's. You see all these cars that were caught in sandstorms and their Ferraris and Lamborghinis, and they just yeah. sort of look like they're abandoned. Like, ah, eh, we'll get to that someday. You know, it's just uh, it's it's an interesting place. Um, no place I really want to go to. I must admit, though. They also bring in their workers from like Indonesia when yeah. they're building all yeah. those huge buildings and stuff yeah. like that, and they sh- they give them room and board and they pay them pretty well. Yeah. Because they have money to, yeah, no, to do so, and then yeah. they, when the job's done, they send them back to their country as very well-off individuals. And I'm not sure if it was Dubai, but sort of friends of friends of friends, uh, their son and daughter uh, worked at a school out here, and they were, and a prince or something asked them to build a school where they were, so they brought them there for a couple of years and paid them silly money and paid all their room and board and all that sort of stuff. I was talking to somebody else who uh, lived there for a while. They had to have two air conditioner systems put in their car because that was the only way it could tolerate the, the desert heat. And they actually have, have to run their water in their house through a chiller because it comes out of the cold water faucet like 105 degrees. So I, 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 I get, I get an up problem with the stuff I have. I don't need to do that. But, but that's a, that's interesting stuff, Rick. That uh, that they it's growing so fast. You you, you kind of have a fill in the blank place to tell Johnny Costello where to deliver the mail. Yeah, and I just consider the fact that uh, um, people say Boston's hard to get around. Well, I, I have a map of how to get there. Well, you know, Boston Boston started with cattle paths and the roads, and then they kind of turned them into roads, and then they paved them and turned them into more roads, and which is why, you know, GPSs don't work in downtown Boston very well. That and other things, but yeah. yeah. Hey, Rick, thanks for, thanks for the information. Have a good one. All Bye. right, you too. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. You going to you going to Dubai soon? No, my my I have family who I 
I'm just to let the listeners know I'm half Arab, but I'm also half Irish. Um, so I have relatives who live in that region and they vacation in Dubai often. And I believe I have relatives that live, actually live in Dubai. I don't know, but yeah. So I, <laughs> I get constant feet pictures of feeds. Like my, some of my family that live out in that region go to Dubai, like you go to the Cape. Just letting you know. Are they wealthy? No. Are they going to leave you money? No. <laughs> no. Just wondering. You know. you know, if they were wealthy, I would not be talking to you right now. <laughs> I would be out there. Well, sorry. Yeah. Do you have Do you have relatives in Ireland too? I do. I have lots of relatives in Ireland. So lots and lots. So you know, there, there's a, there's a point in your life where you might want to go visit one or the other or both. I would go to Ireland before I would go to the Middle East. And I like, and you know me, I like the heat. <laughs> Is that why you make baklava? Yes. Which yes, you've is. never brought in here, by the way. Oh, I've never brought it in here? No. Really? No. Uh, no. Well, I just want to point mine, out. My baklava, ta- I don't know what it is. I have had many people say is that. Is it the honey? I, I don't, well, I don't know. Because I've had many people who say they don't like baklava, and then they try mine, and they take the pan. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All right. Do we need to take another break? Um. Sure. Okay. All right, why don't we do that? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. Our phone lines are open at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Do you own a Honda or Acura SUV, minivan, or pickup truck, or sedan? It's just about everything they have. Well, and it's a very small recall. It's only about 100,000 vehicles. And it's only 2018 and 2019 models. But apparently the timing belt will break, which is not good. So, according to documents filed with NHTSA um, this past Thursday, they said 2018-2019 Acura MDX Honda Pilots, 2019 Acura RLX, RLX Sport Hybrid, TLX Honda Odyssey and Ridgeline may house a defect on about 100,000 vehicles recalled. Honda estimates about 1% feature a bad timing belt. But each car fails during the manufacturing period where Flores discovered Honda last week recalled nearly half a million sedans and crossover SUVs sold both under its mainstream Honda and upscale Acura divisions due to a defective fuel belt. The latest recall uh, published by NHTSA includes the 2015 to 2019 and 2016 2018 MDX and Honda Accord and Pilot uh, for a specific fuel pump module that could fail. But the um, but the uh, timing belt failing, well, that could be a big deal. They claim that something wasn't hardened correctly when they made the rubber in the belt, and that's what caused the problem. Uh, the other one has to do with um, 
Sodium particulates found in low-quality fuels that may cling to an internal component inside the fuel pump. Particulates can cause increased electrical and mechanical resistance, which causes the fuel pump to run too hot and break. So, I did the story once before about odometer tampering. And it's popped back up again. Odometer tampering remains a major concern, even though automakers switched from analog to digital displays a year ago. According to a new report from NBC affiliate 12, millions of cars wander local roads with odometer fraud. The TV channel worked with Carfax to investigate how widespread odometer rollbacks are in this digital age, and experts shared that it's easier than ever to roll back mileage on a vehicle. Chris uh, Bezo who has been on this program, he's from Carfax, um, worked on the investigation and said there are 1.6 million vehicles across the U.S. that may have a rollback odometer. The problems for consumers are vast. Not only does it put the owner at risk for expensive repairs, but also jeopardizes the safety of vehicles, passengers, and other motorists. Uh, odometer tampering is on the rise, especially for leases, apparently, because people want to wind the mileage back, so it doesn't look like they went over the lease number. Uh, NBC found that even a technician with little experience was able to easily manipulate a digital odometer in a 2006 model year vehicle. The entire process took 30 seconds and took 100,000 miles off the life of the car. Uh, anyone selling a car can inflate its value and con a buyer into paying more. And it really has to do with the electronics. Um, when you put a new digital speedometer in, you're supposed to put the mileage, what was on it, on the old one. And so you use a factory-style tool, you plug it in, and you punch in the numbers that was there. Well, you might punch in different numbers than what was there, so you lower the mileage. And the only way you would know that would be if the car went in for state inspection and it went in at 20,000 miles and 40,000 miles and 60,000 miles, and then all of a sudden it said 20,000 miles again. So that's how Carfax finds it. I think the number might be a little artificially inflated because Carfax also just looks at odometer errors. And that can sometimes be the car dealership sold a car and ran out and looked at the mileage on a speedometer and it said 38,000 and they wrote down 35,000 or they wrote down 39,000. Either way, it's not right. And it was just a clerical error. But other times, I think there are people just winding down, winding mileage back. So those states, i.e. Florida, that have no state inspection, you never know. You never know. And there are states where when you sell a car, even if the title has all kinds of flags on it, they don't, they just, if you buy a car that is, say, came from Massachusetts and then suddenly was titled in Arizona, and then suddenly was retitled in Massachusetts again. You might go, huh, why is that? And the mileage didn't change? Like somebody didn't really drive it 3,500 miles and 3,500 miles back? And you kind of go, huh, what was that? Well, that could be an indication that some there was some shenanigans going on. So the winding back, can, and you can other than the state inspection thing, can, is there a way for you to see like? No. If, no? No. So, but if you look at a car that has that had high mileage, and now all of a sudden it has low mileage, and you look at things like, wow, the carpet's brand new. Well, why would a car with 20,000 miles have brand new carpet? 
because they took out the carpet that had 150,000 miles on it? Or why did the rubber pad on the brake pedal that should have somewhere, even if the car only has 20, 30,000 miles on it, is brand new? Well, because the one that was there was worn out because someone was using it so much. Um, things like that. You know, you get in the seat and, and it doesn't feel like a 20,000-mile car seat. It feels like somebody's been using it as a taxi cab. Well, if you buy it, if you're buying it from a, like, from a private sale, but if you go to a dealer, they do that stuff anyways. They want the, they want to make the car look. Yeah, but sometimes you have to be a little suspicious. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes what happens is the dealers get hoodwinked. Absolutely. I'm trying to use every old expression I can think of. That uh, the dealer goes to the auction, they buy a car that's got 30,000 miles on it, come to find out it had 70,000 on it. And it depends how far back the mileage goes. You know, sometimes, you know, people will turn back the mileage a little. Sometimes people will turn back the mileage a lot. So uh, turning it, and sometimes it'll be done just for warranty. So a car will be, have a 60,000 mile warranty. It's got 75,000 on it. Somebody might tweak it back to 58,000 just to get that engine repaired down under warranty. And no one, and as long as that mileage wasn't recorded anywhere, no one's going to really know. And the work's going to get done. Is that right? No. Is it beneficial to the consumer? Maybe. But it's not the right thing to do obviously. So we mentioned a couple times that I was, uh, I've driven a lot in the last couple of days. I uh, was at the, I was at the Bristol Plymouth Vocational Technical High School down in uh, Taunton, where there was a meeting, uh, a chairperson's meeting, and that is where all the various chairs of the various shops get together. They, they're invited to dinner, we chat with the superintendent, and if anybody from the school committee is there, we chat with them and talk about what your specific shop's needs are, as well as some of their successes. So in the auto shop, they're actually in pretty good shape. They're, uh, they do need, they knew, do need to think about updating their, uh, their, their books. They use sort of one gigantic book for their students. And it's probably, uh, it's, I don't know, 600 pages, big textbook. And to be current with the industry and also be compliant with the various rules, uh, it can't be more than a couple years out of date from the last time it was written. And next year will be the last year they can use it. So they, my push was to try to go electronic. So to subscribe to an electronic book, but also have, and the current thing in the schools now seems to be Google, Chrome, Chromebooks. And to get Chromebooks for all the students, just like they get textbooks for all the students that they give back at the end of the day, and a cart that the Chromebooks are on so they get to recharge, and they're secure. But what's nice about the electronic books is, unlike a conventional paper book, there might be a diagram, and that diagram might turn into a video. So you click on it and you can actually see how something works or see how something's tested. And for teaching purposes, uh, the quizzes and tests are all done electronically. And the scoring is a lot easier for the teacher. And it's also, it can identify, maybe there's if the entire class doesn't do well or a lot of the class doesn't do well in a particular area, it's, it's really uh, 
spotlighted for the teacher to go, you know, I really need to go over that and do a little bit more with that. So it's it's really a it's really a good good way to go. So I went to that and uh, had a nice dinner. Uh, sat with people from computer something or other, CTE, I think they call it, and a woman from uh, uh, nursing. So we talked about medical stuff, which was sort of interesting because I, I, I asked her, and she was fairly young, and she went to that school, and she's an emergency room nurse, and now she's uh, she started off as an emergency room nurse, and now she is in uh, – She's a surgical assistant, but I asked her whether, as a nurse, whether she got every disease she ever read about, and she said she did. Uh, everything that she learned in school, she seemed like she got it, which I guess is pretty typical. Uh, but the uh, the uh, auto shop auto shop in Bristol Plymouth in good shape. They have good enrollment. There's a huge need for automotive technicians. Some of the numbers that are out there right now say that in the next five years, 80,000 people will retire out of the automotive business to be replaced with 20,000 people. So even though the prediction is about self-driving cars and all of that stuff, uh, there's still going to be people that need to fix them. And if there's a 50,000 technician deficit in five years, it's going to be hard to get your car fixed. And we'll have to wait and see. And part of it has to do, there's a, there's a lot of issues. Part of it has to do with tools. Um, auto repair industry requires a lot of tools and a lot of expense. Different than, and not taken away from carpenters and plumbers and electricians, but a lot of times uh, a good electrician can carry a lot of their tools in a tool pouch or a backpack. And the only thing they need maybe is a sawzall and a hole saw and a few other things. But the tools are relatively simple. I mean, and again, not to take away from it, but you may have a whole box of tools as an electrician. You may have a whole box of tools as a plumber. But in a lot of cases, it's not limited. Where an automotive technician might need ten or $20,000 worth of tools. Now, some automotive technicians go a little overboard buying a $10,000 tool cabinet when they could buy something pretty good for $2,000 or they could buy used and save some money. Well, it also makes sense because um, in an auto... Yeah, you're in one spot. You're in one spot and you're also... You also have... You have to be an electrician because you have to know how yep. the circuits run. You have so you have to have those tools. You have to have the you have to be a plumber. Plumber because yep. you have to know how no hydraulics yes. and all of that. Yeah, yeah, so, no, all of that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the other issue is uh, is uh, is an old time issue that's been around forever. And it's called the flat rate system. The flat rate system when when you go to repair a car, if you work in a dealership and you go to repair a car, um, you get paid based on how long it takes to fix the vehicle. And it is, say you're doing a timing belt in that Honda. You get paid three and a half hours to replace that timing belt. If it takes you five hours, it's going to, you're going to get paid for three and a half. If it takes you two hours, you're going to get paid for three and a half. So it encourages people to speed along and perhaps make mistakes or be a little bit sloppy. The other thing the flat rate system does, it doesn't, include overtime. So if you're kind of a go-getter and you decide you want to come in early because you have the work for it and you want to stay and you want to stay late and you want to work 50 or 60 hours a week and maybe clock up or flag 80 or 90 flat rate hours, 
even though you work 20 hours over your normal 40, you only get paid straight time. So there's no time and a half in the in the in that world. I was talking to the service director at um, Copeland at Copeland Toyota, and they said they're actually going to do away with the flat rate system. They're going to go to something different. They're going to go with a little bit different plan because they want to. They it's and that's a family owned dealership, and they want to try to come up with a way of having something that really gives their technicians a feeling of security that if business slows down, they'll still be able to get paid for it. So that's that's one of the issues. So that shop's in pretty good shape. This week, I'm at the New England Motor Press me- meeting for um, Tuesday night to see the all-new Jeep Gladiator up close and personal, uh, better than I did at the auto show, where I did get to drive it or passenger in it at the auto show. And then on Wednesday, I think I'm at Weymouth High School uh, for their advisory board meeting, for their chairperson's meeting. And then on Thursday, I'm at Social Votech for their advisory board meeting. So it's that time of year, the silly season of meetings and things. So it was good. And then after the Blue Hills meeting, I got in my car and drove 280 miles to Utica, New York, through what was probably the worst fog I've been through. I was out, took the Mass Pike all the way out to Lee, and then took a right, basically. And uh, going over the going over the mountains in the Berkshires, the fog was uh, you see about 20 feet in front of you, and uh, it was just it was I slowed down about 15 miles an hour, uh, just. Uh, just to be able to get through it, and that probably added an extra 45 minutes onto my drive. So I got into the hotel at, oh, 12.30, quarter of one, something like that. Uh, and then uh, got up the next morning for an autonomous vehicle summit that took place at uh, Mohawk Community College, a great venue, by the way, that uh, Ed Welch, who has been on this program, who does a car program on a station in Utica, uh, set up. And I was one of the moderators for a panel. And it was uh, it was a uh, it was a good time. Uh, one of the questions that came up they had a they had a senior law attorney from NYU Law, and liability came up. What would happen? You know who's who's responsible for self driving vehicle when it gets into a crash? And it's still yet to be worked out. But it's sort of uh, the question I asked was uh, Elon Musk this week or last week said our cars are ready to drive themselves in all circumstances. And then on their website, on their own blog, it says it's impossible for a car to completely be able to drive itself. So I asked the attorney, okay, Elon Musk says this, their website says this, or their blog says this, what happens? And he, and he kind of tried to answer the question. Afterwards, he came over to me and said, good question. So I don't know if that really meant good question or you're a jerk. It's going to fall on the operator. It's, it's going to. Well, who's the like- operator? The operate whoever's in the car will be ultimately responsible. Suppose you're asleep. It's you're still responsible for the motion of the vehicle. I think I think you're right. It's like but the, I, it's like ships, like yeah. the captain of a like captain of the ship. The ships, cargo ships are basically autonomous right now. Right, and it's the captain's responsibility to make sure that that ship does not run into any danger. So right. who's responsible when a ship when a ship when something happens on a ship when an accident happens on a ship who's responsible? I am the captain. I'm the captain. That's why. But I want to take a nap and wake up in Florida. 
That's the risk you take. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, the uh, captain of the ship, I don't. Know, I have. I have wow. no segue. I have no segue other than go over to Paul Sullivan. <laughs> you got any good captain stories? No, but I know who's responsible in that scenario. Me, the person with the weakest lawyer. That's right. This That's is right. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> Deepest yeah. pockets, weakest lawyer. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Because lawsuit, lawsuits. I. There is the worst billboard that I have seen. I don't know. I forget who the lawyer is. But he's standing there. It's on Route 95, right over the Rhode Island border. He's standing there with his arm around somebody and says, I got $1.3 you know. And then, like, a couple weeks later, it's, I got 345000 And it's like, oh, come on, really? It just encourages people to sue each other. On, I know. It's on crazy. Is, That's how people yeah. think that they can improve their lot by you know, going well, to you, court you, with a lawyer. Yeah, you improve your life with either lawsuits or the lottery. But, and it, like anything else, it cheapens the people that really do have a right. Uh, Whoever real, a exactly. real claim, yeah, uh, yeah, it makes you know. it. Uh, it makes no one believe them. Yeah, I mean, a woman, a woman I work with, her daughter bumps someone in traffic. The it was an older couple. They felt bad. They sent the older couple a what do you call the fruit bouquet? One of those things, edible arrangement. Edible arrangement. Uh, said, oh, you know, we're really sorry. And then they got a couple of weeks later. They got a letter from well, an attorney yeah, because because, because yeah. the because of the apology yeah. showed they were guilty. Now that's, they were guilty. That's why no one will say I'm sorry. Anymore. That's right. You're not supposed in to. in an official yeah. sense anyway. They, you know? uh, uh, cops will cops will tell you that that if you get into a car crash, never say you're sorry. Right. Because then it's an admission of guilt. Yeah. Yep. Too, it's too bad. Incidentally, I was in a fog in Utica once. Were you? Yeah. What happened? It's just a mental thing. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> boom boom. I like you. I, I got nothing. I got I, nothing I, after that. Had a yeah. Utica, whatever the minor league baseball team is, cap. Back oh in the day. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's actually it's a pretty interesting city. I I haven't been there. I think I was there once a long time ago. Yeah, and it's I stayed what, there when we were going to Cooperstown. I think. Yeah, it's a real it's weird. It's a real weird combination of like restored mill buildings, uh-huh. a real city kind of thing. Yeah. But also right outside of it, it's sort of a little bit. Um, a little bit less of that, and then way outside of it, you're in the country with dirt roads. Kind of like Worcester. Uh, yeah, Worcester that turns into... Springfield. Yeah, and then turns into something else. I Albany. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Utica. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not good with my geography, obviously, because... I'm showing up. I didn't, even, I didn't even know where Utica was. It was, you know, <laughs> I, my idea of Utica was take the mass pike to the end and go right. Now it's going to bother me because I can't remember the name of the team. Utica, Utica, Blue Sox, maybe. Blue Sox, maybe. It might be. Yeah. All right. Well, I didn't even use my phone. You 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 saw me. I didn't. Yeah. You yeah. didn't. Yep. You didn't. Yeah. No. It's uh, it's uh, it's a. It, What's well, kind of nice about it? It's even a little more so than Worcester. It's a real little city that has three TV stations, uh, newspaper. You know, it's a it's a regular little city, which um, it's its own little metropolis. Yeah. If you're listening, metropolis. by the way, in Utica on the app, please yeah. uh, phone yeah. in. And, yeah. Let us know what the name of the baseball team is. Yeah. Hey, the, uh, I think it's the Blue Sox. But yeah, the piano guy's playing, which means we have to. My headphones are I've checked out. We have to. We have to. Uh, we have to leave. And Paul right. Sullivan and the Irish are coming up here. next. Yeah. All right. Um, but what do you got going on today before we go? Well, I was saying, Tay and Claire are going to play every song with May, like uh, Welcome to the Flowers in May, The Queen of the May, The May Morning Dew, May We Never Have to Say Goodbye. You know, anything. May. May we. May your Guinness <laughs> never run out. May. <laughs> may you be half an hour in heaven before the devil knows you're dead. That's right. All those things. Hey, coming up next, Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade, the very best in Irish music. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car.
Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. As I walk the road